You're listening to Episode 8 of Undervalued. On today's episode of Undervalued, we have a few fun new segments. Shaking it up, baby. (laughs) First, we're going to talk about some personal updates from me, myself, and I. That was weird. (laughs) I liked it. You, you, yourself, and you. (laughs) Second, we're going to actually share some of our own stories as well as listeners' stories about really horrible bosses. Horrible. We call them bonehead bosses. Yes. Right? And finally, we're going to cover our first Undervalued the Podcast field trip. Whoop, whoop. Yeah, we had that a week and a half ago. Yeah, and it was awesome. And then we have one... One or two, I can't remember, I think only one, uh, listener emails for our Ask Wendy segment. Ooh, I'm excited since (laughs) I'm coming in cold on those. (laughs) So (laughs) we hope you enjoy the show. Enjoy the show. Yes. sister pretty (laughs) overwhelmed still but I'm feeling much more positive good so um I was diagnosed with breast cancer three weeks ago it is a lot invasive lobular carcinoma and the it's luckily stay early stage Mm -hmm. um but unfortunately it um, is big enough that when I got my first opinion, it was, I needed a mastectomy. Mm -hmm. So because it isn't in my lymph nodes, so that's good. But I've had to learn so much about cancer itself, how to meander this journey. It's been the first time in my life I've actually felt too overwhelmed to actually get things done. Mm -hmm. So the good thing is, is I've really reached out. I, I didn't, I felt like it had almost power over me, even the, the word cancer. And so I just put it on Facebook a week and a half ago. Just put it out there. Yep. And got lots of support and got some really helpful advice talking to people because I didn't know a single person that had breast cancer when this happened. Really? Uh, well, a friend of a friend idea. Yeah, kind but of nobody a, personally. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and I, my dad died of uh, heart disease at 61, mm-hmm. had his first heart attack at 45. So even when they told me, it was like, no, you're wrong. I'm going to die of heart disease. Right. Not you're, cancer. You're like, right? you're confused. Yes. And so just getting used to that. And luckily, I found it with a mammogram. So all you people out there, please have your mammograms. And- I thought ultrasound too. Yeah, ultrasound. In fact, what they found initially was just dense breast tissue. But when they went back and got the 3D image and the ultrasound is when they found the actual tumor. Man. So it's a miracle. Dense. I got dense boobies. (laughs) And it runs in our family. And actually people with dense breast tissue have a higher uh, incidence of breast cancer, of getting it. So... I'm learning all of these things, right? Mm-hmm. 
And after she told me last week, she thought it had actually migrated kind of under my nipple. And oh. I, and she said, the surgeon said, uh, we need to move on this. So she said, let's go ahead and, and schedule the operation for two weeks. Mm-hmm. And I was, they also told me uh, that I, there was a 30% chance that I'd get it in the other breast. Right. So because of that, I said, I'll just get a double mastectomy. Mm-hmm. And I was scheduled to have it this first week of March, a week after next. Okay. So I freaked out. I totally freaked out like two days after hearing this mm-hmm. and said, this is moving so fast. Right. And I called a woman who got diagnosed in June that I just met. She works at Cable Lab. She's been amazing support for me. Oh. And it really shows you why you need to reach out mm-hmm. and let other people help you, right? Mm-hmm. And I have found I suck at asking for help. But in this instance, I was I was just so beside myself and just sobbing that I called her up and she said, Wendy, you need a second opinion. I said, but I've talked to all these doctors. She said, yeah, but they're all through the same um, practice. Right, right. It's all the Rocky Mountain Cancer Center Mm -hmm. in Boulder. Mm -hmm. So I end up saying, I can't even think about finding other doctors right now. It takes weeks. Mm -hmm. And and she said, nope, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call my doctors right now. I'm putting, I'm putting you on hold. She put me on hold, and she got me an appointment three business days later. Wow. Where I met That's with That's amazing. I know. I met with the surgeon, and then I met with the oncologist mm-hmm. in these two appointments. Mm-hmm. And so that just happened last Tuesday. And I've gone back and forth with them, asked them questions to the point that I feel comfortable Um, they have a trial available, a a research trial Mm -hmm. um, that is exactly perfect for me. It's like God has been working in so many ways around supporting me and, and really helping me see that this is going to be okay. Mm -hmm. And I ended up um, pulling the trigger on this research study Mm -hmm. where they're going to treat me with this medicine that's usually treated after people have mastectomies okay. for estrogen positive where the tumor grows because uh, of estrogen yeah. mm-hmm. and they give you an estrogen inhibitor beforehand for six months and they track the cancer each month mm-hmm. to make sure it is actually shrinking. Oh. And so plan B would be if it's not shrinking to go back to get the the mastectomy. Right. But I also learned that it's not 30% chance it's going to be in the in the other breast. It's actually 5%. What? Yes. So this is where you have to think about um, not everybody is going to give you the right information. Yeah. In fact, to the point, I said to the new oncologist when I said, hey, they said it was 30%. She said, no, it's 5 And I, I touched her on the arm to try to make it nicer. <laughs> Why the hell should I believe you? Wow. And she said, I said, I think you're smart, but seriously, at this point, I've been getting given conflicting information. Exactly. So it's been so tough. But at the same time, Chris has been amazing, you know, my fiance and, Chris and is my the friends, best. and you have been amazing. I Aww. mean, we'll talk a little bit of that when we talk about our field trip. But, <laughs> um, but it's one of those things. I am also taking control of my health and doing some alternative things so mm-hmm. bottom line it it's three weeks no sugar 
Um, I know, I know. This is, um, and Wendy has, for those of you who don't know, Wendy has a sweet tooth. Oh man, I'm a chocolate <laughs> fiend. And Chris was so funny when we were um, cleaning out all our cabinets and, and we, we gave all this food to my son, processed, anything with flour, um, car, you know, high card, carb kind of grain, right. no more stovetop stuffings in my life, none. Aww. And Chris said, if I'd only known the brownie was going to be my last brownie. <laughs> <laughs> How sweet of Chris, though, to just jump on board. Exactly. With the no sugar. So, if you're a listener and you want to know how you can help Wendy right now, you can email our podcast email, which is undervaluedthepodcast at gmail.com, your sugar free and carb free recipes. Yes, no grains either. Oh, can't no do grains because okay. these are the things that, that actually feed the cancer right. and cause inflammation, which helps the cancer grow. Right. So, so we're here. We are strong. We're all about kicking cancer's ass. Mm-hmm. And there will be moments where I won't be as tough as I just sounded just then. <laughs> <laughs> and that's okay. But it's all going to be a part of the journey. It is. And there's already been some positives coming out of it, oh, yeah. right? And you and have so, so much support because everybody yes. just loves you. Well, thank you. You're welcome. I'm lucky. Blessed. So you have a, you've mentioned a fun little clip. Oh, yes. <laughs> okay, I'm now going to play for you a clip. So sometimes when we're recording, I will just randomly start recording just to check the, the volumes or whatever. Look, that makes it sound like I know what I'm doing, when I really don't. But I check to make <laughs> yes, sure I check to make sure that our cackles aren't going off the Richter scale. And Wendy didn't realize I was recording her and was talking about a cancer experience. So I'm going to play that for you all. I like it. I like it. The biggest um, way to see breast cancer is to put Just your... Just so the listeners know, Wendy yes. is sticking her tatas out at me. I am, and I'm putting my hands on my head, <laughs> and you have to look at okay. the mirror. I'm doing it too. In the mirror, naked, and you have to see <laughs> if you have a dimple. In the mirror what? A dimple in your in your booby meat, right? But if it's... Ew, booby meat. Whatever. You know, none of the meat, not your nipple. Okay, but don't right? say booby meat. Okay, well, we're not going to use <laughs> Say the tissue. Guys, this is really huge. This is really huge. That's the biggest symptom. So the first symptom. In, your, in the skin of your, the flesh of your breast, yeah. if you have a dimple in. Like visible or you have to feel it? Yeah, I mean, maybe, maybe I'll get naked at some point and show you mine. Because <laughs> he says I have a little dimple in. Weird. Mm-hmm. Huh. And I went... So, of course, we, we looked over at Chris and said, have you seen it? And I said, well, how many times am I, am I strutting around the room doing like this? Because he said, Wendy, you can't see it if your hands are down. That's what the doctor oh, said. Oh, because I see. So I said, well, so how many? So you can't feel it. Oh, how many? And I couldn't see. He so said, did you know you had this? And I went, how am I going to see it? He said, in the mirror. I said, how many women do you know that are doing this in the mirror? <laughs> you know like who does that nobody but i guess we should start well that's what i say and it's got to be something that our boyfriends and our husbands do for us too yeah that's true so all right boyfriend alert so here guys husband alert um we got the mixer plugged into the laptop for certain check we're gonna stop 
I love the way you say naked, by the way. Thank you. Naked? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so let's test the audio. Let's stop it and run it and hear if we can hear okay. Okay. All right. So that I was fun. I hope everyone enjoyed that. That was fun. <laughs> so let's get into the subject of this episode. All right. Which is how to survive a bonehead boss. We all have had them. I've already had like five. I'm 23. Yeah, that's wrong. You should not have that many. <laughs> Seriously. I mean, that's like dog years of bad bosses. And I think I was kind of set up poorly because at the restaurant I worked at all through college, I had one just absolutely amazing boss. Her name was Jody. She was just the best. And then after she left, I had another amazing boss, and her name was Nicole, and she was also the best. And then after that, my really good friend Taylor was my boss, and she also kicked ass. So I had these three powerful lady bosses uh. at the restaurant right in a row that just made me feel so special and cared for and helped me grow in that position. And then I went into the corporate world, and it was just like a whole nother beast. And it's a lot like having bad boyfriends. Oh. You need to have bad boyfriend to appreciate the good boyfriend. Ah, I see. Totally. I mean... <laughs> It, it, it is one of those things that I've learned the hard way <laughs> with some bad boyfriends. <laughs> so, and I believe you learn a heck of a lot more from a bad boss than a good boss. That's a good way of looking at it. Right. And did you know that 80% of people leave their job because of their boss, not because of the actual job? I believe it. I believe it. So when you do find that great boss, you love it because... It's, you know how bad it could be, right? Right. Okay, so what's your bonehead boss story, sister? So, I, it, it took me, I was like thinking about this at home and I was like, I have to tell one on the podcast that Wendy hasn't heard before. So I think I have one that I like, <laughs> I don't believe it. told you right away. I don't believe it. Well, because this, the one I have isn't like, it wasn't so bad that I had to call you crying afterwards. Okay, that's so, good. Yeah. That's good. But you tell yours first. Okay, so I was at... um at a big telecom company and my boss had asked for a volunteer to do to be the panelist for our company to present at the IPBBX showdown okay which was his voice on the net conference and it was kind of the highlighted event where okay. it was all the vendors and the um you were given one configuration a customer solution that mm -hmm. you had to talk about how your solution would fit it, would oh, meet it. Oh, okay. And so everybody was supposed to say really quickly, like in three minutes, how they would uh, respond and what their solution would look like for this customer's problem. Okay. Right? And it's all these different big telecom companies oh, yeah. competing. Lucent, Cisco, okay. Avaya. But it's important because the vendors yeah. are there. Yeah. Okay. And I was Avaya's rep. Okay. Right? And it was just so many people in the audience, right? Oh, this my is God. a huge auditorium. And this is before you were speaking. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. Nerve-wracking. Yeah. So I ended up really doing my homework to make sure I understood how we compared to the other vendors' solutions and what their weaknesses were and how to ask, you know, really um, great questions to highlight their weaknesses. Mm -hmm. And it was fabulous. I mean, it was, it was nerve-wracking as the Dickens, but... So the night before the event, I'm, I'm in um, California where the event was. I'm in the hotel, and uh, it was probably 8 at night. 
I have to get on stage eight in the next morning and mm. the we do a mock showdown. Okay. Where all of my peers are the other people and they're asking me questions mm-hmm. and I'm responding and I'm asking them questions and kind of trying all this this sass out, right? <laughs> <laughs> and so um my boss was on the call leading it and then like the moderator and then his boss was on the call who's one down from, you know, 25,000 person, you know, Fortune 100 Avaya. Oh, my so, gosh. So we get through it, and I think I've done pretty good, and everybody gets off, all my peers, uh-huh. and and who had played all the other folks. And I'm on the call with these with my boss and my boss's boss, who are both men, of course. <laughs> and so, um, you know, I, I said, well, how did how did it go? And, he, and my boss says, in front of his, his boss, well... We, we both know you can entertain them, but we're not quite sure you have the substance to back it up. Ugh. And I mean, my heart just <laughs> oh, fell. Crushing. It just crushed me. Uh, what a horrible thing and to I say. And I kind of got off the phone as quickly as I could. Mm-hmm. I didn't really call them on it. I just didn't know what to do with it. Mm-hmm. And I walk into the bar. And because it's... I'm in a little conference room right there on the main floor mm-hmm. and I was kind of walking in a daze and I walk up and the bartender looks at me and goes, are you okay? And I said, <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> and I told him what had happened. He went, I want to kick that guy's ass. Oh my God. And I said, thank you. <laughs> he says, do you need a drink? I said, yes. I don't know what to order. Cause I want a big drinker. Yeah. And he said, I think this calls for a shot. And so he gives me some easy thing to swallow right <laughs> and Aww. that kind of and I only had That's one because nice. here I'm supposed to go on stage in 12 less than 12 hours right, right? and so I got through it you know I, I I I'll never forget I was then that that night I tossed and turned and you know prepping and I didn't get a lot of sleep but I came up with all these great strategies like I've just turned the corner and said you know what I'm gonna kick this thing's ass I am just I'm going to show those bosses, right? And right. I'm going to do well at this. Yeah, you're going to so, show them who the real boss So is. I came up with some cute little things, like I was going to bring a, a white towel from the from the uh, hotel and give it to the Cisco guy and say, anytime you need to throw in the towel, it's okay with me. <laughs> Here's the towel for you. And I came up with all these ideas. And, and the next morning, I'm walking to the event. You know, it's long, um, pretty long walk from the hotel to the convention center uh-huh. auditorium and I've got my power suit on and my hair is acting right. And, <laughs> and you know, I've got these cute little spunky shoes, these little high heels. And, <laughs> and I, I jokingly said to the guy that was walking in step with me that I didn't know from Adam. I said, good Lord, it's country mile all the way to this convention center. And he said, well, if you wore some sensible shoes, wouldn't be that bad. Oh, my God. And I said, I'm on my way to the IPPBX showdown, and you don't kick Cisco ass in sensible shoes. <laughs> I was just like, you were just fired up. Oh, I was, go. man. Because <laughs> you get sad, and then all of a sudden you have to figure out, what am I going to do? Yeah. Right? And you kind of cowgirl up. Sure. So I get there. We have the event, and it was, I mean, I... I, I'll never forget, I did my little zingers and it was kind of like I was pumping my fist without <laughs> doing it physically. Right. But I just felt like I did this, you know, I, I really, I, I killed this. Oh. And so I got through it and, um, you know, my boss wasn't even there. So that was a bummer. <sighs> yeah. And, but what? people came what? up and Why said. Why wasn't he there? 
just didn't think it was important, I guess. <gasps> oh, so he's going to give you that shitty feedback and then not even yeah, show up? Exactly. So I ended up, you know, months later when I was moving to the next job, mm-hmm. um, he said to me, I'll never forget, you know, Wendy, it's really been a, a joy working with you. I just think so much of you. And I said, really? I didn't really get that that <laughs> feeling. I didn't really get that. Yeah. Um, and he says, what do you mean? And so I told him about, you know, what he'd said. And yeah. he said, I didn't actually say the word substance, did I? I said, yes, you did. Oh, my gosh. He says, I'm really sorry. And I said, yeah, I appreciate that. But really, this is about two pieces of advice I would ask of you if you're ever in this situation again. Mm-hmm. And the first is be there, right? Right. Show up. Mm-hmm. Be there in person when somebody has this big of a highly visible thing to do right. that you've asked them to do. Right. Right. And secondly, if you don't think they can do it after you're in that position and it's too late to change things, mm-hmm. lie. Right. Just pretend and and be their biggest supporter. Right. Mm-hmm. Because they could fool you. Right. Right. And if you don't believe in them, then how are they going to believe in themselves? Exactly. And I just felt so much better about actually doing it. Oh, look at you. Yes. You're just the queen of turning lemons into lemonade. Let's make it. Into sugar-free lemonade. I like it. I like it. (laughs) With a new diet. That's right. But now I can't wait to hear yours. Mine's not as inspiring. Mine's a little more funny, but I want to hear it. Okay. So I had a like temper tantrum type of boss. Ooh. Ooh. This is my first. I don't like them. This is my first big girl job boss. Okay. And he was cranky man. He would like. He was weird, though, because he would seem totally fine, and then out of nowhere, like, Blow he'd up. be joking around. Like a then, powder keg. Yeah. A, what's a powder keg? You know, it just blows up. With, <laughs> but what is out it? Out of the blue. It's a, <laughs> it's a keg of powder. And like gunpowder? Yeah, and if you get a spark to it, it blows oh, up. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's what he was. Definitely a baby boomer millennial thing <laughs> we just did there. So, okay. <laughs> and he, but he would blow up. Like out of nowhere, yeah. he'd be joking around, and I was. This was total like boys. And club. some so would boys set him off. always teasing each other. Okay, yeah, someone would set him off. He'd blow up, walk away, and then he'd come back, and it was like it hadn't happened. <gasps> it was creepy, creepy. Wow. So one time, all the interns at my office had this little uh, like trophy, like little kids trophy you would get from playing soccer or whatever. Yeah, and they would tape different things on it, like they'd say best like outfit or like best like if we had a mario kart tournament one time and they're like mario kart winner and would like put it on different people's desks yeah and so the intern had put something on it best something like goofy like biggest muscles or like something like that yeah and set it on this boss's desk and he was on a call at his desk and apparently the call wasn't going very well because he just took his hand and like back Backhanded. Backhanded the trophy, and it goes flying, and he goes, get that shit off my desk. And the intern was like, <gasps> and he was so mad. Everybody, like, the, it was, like, silent in the office. Everybody's like, what the hell? He gets up, walks over, picks up the trophy, snaps it in half. So he can't just throw it. No. He has to actually annihilate it. He goes up, snaps it in half, sets it on the intern's desk, and then just goes back to his call. Holy moly. Then, this is the craziest thing, he finishes the call, and he goes to the bathroom or whatever, and then he comes back, and the intern goes, I'm really sorry that I did that. I didn't realize you were on a stressful call. 
like, I hope it was okay. And he goes, oh, I was just messing around earlier. It's all good, man. (laughs) He's like a freaking crazy. I mean, bipolar. That's crazy. It was, oh, and he was, and I was his only report. It was just me and him on a team. And he was. Did you walk on eggshells? Yes. Because that's what I would have done. Oh, I walked on eggshells. I was like, I am never joking around with this guy ever again. Wow. Well, and we imagine if he had done that and it had like flown and hit like poor Pam's head over there. Oh, totally. Totally. Well, (laughs) and we're not the only ones that have had bad bosses. We had some, we sent out a a plea for folks to share theirs. Yes, we did. And we got some. In fact, I'd love to tell you Amelia's. Okay. Tell us Amelia's email. So I got hired. Start with the subject. Oh, restaurants are not places for affairs. Okay. That's what fair enough. That's pretty funny. (laughs) So I got hired to manage this super cute cafe in downtown Dallas. The cafe was brand new, so I got to get in on the ground level and help get the place going. Super fun job. After a few months, my manager, he was married, told me she was going to dinner. She was married. Ooh, yeah. Wendy, Um, you assumed the manager was a man. I did. She was going to dinner with the owner of the building. The next day, she is head over heels in love with the guy and admits to having an affair. The next time he came into town, she asked me to go to dinner with her to talk business. Being only 21 at the time, I was somewhat naive to the situation and went along as to not miss a potential networking promotional opportunity. Smart little cookie. (laughs) Needless to say, business was not discussed, but instead she tried to get me to sleep with this guy's business partner. Oh, my God. So she's pimping her employee. (laughs) Time goes on. I try to ignore the making out in the back closet, intimate details of the affair, and awkward conversations with her husband and just focus on my job. When out of the blue, the husband, not a manager or owner of the business, shows up at the cafe and fires me. Oh, my God. Still not sure what happened to this day, but I will note to never, ever get involved with the manager who wants you to have an affair outside her, alongside her again. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Great advice, Amelia. <laughs> oh, my God. That is insane. To have so, your boss's husband fire you. Can they even do it? <laughs> I don't know. So do you think she... So he must have found out that she was cheating on him and then got and then she blamed it yeah on amelia yeah or so then he came the in. wife threw amelia under the bus and pretended amelia somehow set it up uh-huh. so he was mad at her instead of her right her his own wife i don't so. think you can fire that, that'd no. be like if you went to chris's work and fired one of his employees <laughs> <laughs> that would be crazy and also psycho <clears throat> all right I, you got to do the next one okay so sorry about that, Amelia. Okay, this mm. is from Sandy. It's titled, Till Death Do Us Part. Ominous. I, now I want to <laughs> read it. <laughs> I was working my first big girl job for a large corporate firm. I had Sounds s- like you. You sure, you sure Sandy's not you? <laughs> I'm, I'm sure. <laughs> I had some run-ins with my manager, but for the most part, we got along great. I loved my job and team and really liked what I did. My manager started asking me to spend these dram out screen sharing sessions with her to build models from scratch. About six hours into one of these sessions, I was chugging along, making yet another formula in Excel. I hear you, girl. Love Excel. (laughs) I'm telling you, this is you. (laughs) I know. 
<laughs> when I hear screaming in my ears, and then this is in all caps, don't do that. I will literally kill you if you do that again. When I asked if she was talking about my Excel formula, <laughs> she repeated, yes, don't do it again or I will kill you. <gasps> After the fifth or sixth death threat, <laughs> I hung up the phone and started applying for a new position. This actually worked out in my favor, and I ended up with an internal role with an awesome boss and a great job. But also, dot, 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 death should just not be in the realm of possibility when discussing Excel functions. Lord have mercy. This sounds like the temper tantrum boss. Oh, totally. Totally. They're probably related. Yeah. And then just out of nowhere would be like, oh, I was just kidding. Yeah. That's the thing. If you call them on it. So Brennan has a story. Okay. Um. She titles it, The Creeper with a Kid. Oh. Okay. <laughs> I love the, can I just say, listeners, I love the subjects that you all come up with yeah, for I, your emails. I agree. I agree. I And so no pressure there, people. Because <laughs> um, we'll make some good ones up if you don't send them. <laughs> I was 18, working one of three jobs at the time. Damn. This job in particular was as a hostess at a very nice steak restaurant in town. I got a weird vibe from the manager when I was hired, but it's the restaurant industry. Everyone is weird, right? <laughs> so anyways, I moved along for the first few months with no issues. The pay was good, the hours were good, and I was even picking up some extra hours running a few errands before my chef for the manager. Hmm. Uh-oh, this is going to be bad. <laughs> Nothing weird, just grabbing a few last-minute vegetables from the grocery store, picking up dry cleaning, or picking up his 12-year-old kid from school. Okay, that is... She says nothing weird, but that's um, a little weird. Yeah. Don't you think? Well, it would just start to make me feel a little uncomfortable. Like, like where's the Am I your line? assistant? What's right. going on? Yeah. I went into my manager's office one afternoon, business as usual, usual, and when I opened the door, there was a picture of a naked girl bent <gasps> over on his computer screen. No. Porn. And oh my God. that he had his screen so you could see it from the, when you walked in is a little weird, oh. I think, but. Oh, just the fact that he's watching porn at work well, is weird. even weirder, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. A little embarrassed and weirded out, I quickly walked around and acted like that didn't happen. <laughs> I feel like that's what I would have Because you too. have to do it, right? Yeah. You have to act that way. A few more normal weeks went by when out of the blue, my manager asked me to talk. Naturally, I start running through all the possible mistakes I'd made and how he was about to fire me. Well, first of all, she needs to work on that. She oh. needs to not immediately think she's done something wrong, but everybody does it. It's normal. Right? right, right. Luckily, I did not get fired. Instead, I got to hear about his plans for the evening. I'm going to be alone tonight, he said. Bob Joe, his kid. Okay. Was it really okay. Bob Joe? Okay. She had Anybody who up. names their kid Bob Joe, yeah. stay away. Yes. Bob Joe, his kid, is going to be with his mother. And I asked... I, well, responded, cool. <laughs> and the manager said, why don't you come over and I will buy you Grey Goose and you can hang out. Oh. oh. I immediately walked out and never came back. Smart. The 60-year-old manager in braces should have been the hint from the beginning. Uh, oh, my God. Yes, the creeper with the kid, Bob Joe. Bless her heart, Brennan. Oh, we are very sorry. We are. We've but got good one for last you one. for walking out. Yes, exactly. Last one, so last one. I love this one because this one's a bit of a three-parter. Ooh. Let me big screen it so I can really get in here. This is from Megan. I like Megan. 
Yeah. Uh, and the subject's just bad boss stories. So that's not the best subject. But oh, I, still, okay. I, I still like it. Yeah. All right. So she goes, so ladies, here are my stories. Story one. Or part one, I should say. I went to a meeting in my boss's office, and he still had his previous one going on, but I was told to enter since they were finishing up. They are talking about one of the data center techs and how she has continued to show up drunk to work, and could they could see it on the security camera. Oh, my Lord. <laughs> I, <laughs> my boss made comments about how she was still an employee because it gave them a good show because they could see her boobs, in parentheses. After he said that, my boss and the other gentleman that was in the office both looked at me, like wondering, what do you think? And all I could think was, WTF, get me out of here. What creeps? Oh, I don't know if that guy's heart. a... I don't think that guy's a gentleman. I'll just I, put that out there. I, oh, just put it out there. <laughs> it's a little true, yes. Part two. That same boss from above had me working on his personal expense report. In an effort to free myself of him and a position in the company I no longer enjoyed, I applied for another internal position, and I got it. When I pushed for him to confirm my transfer, he kept delaying it. He first offered me more money to stay, and then he threatened to not allow the transfer to happen unless I completed his personal expense report, a report for which should have been done a year before I was working on it. Oh, no. During this whole time, I had tried to work with the HR rep for this part of the company, but she was working with my boss on this issue by not giving me answers and asking what I thought of his offer to stay. Bless her heart. She wants to get out of there. Yeah. His personal expense report. And a lot of people delay it like that. Really? Because they don't want to lose you. It's leaving a hole. So you're better than at least your warm body. Mm -hmm. Even bad people, they don't want to let go sometimes. Oh. So, Ugh. so this happens a lot, but my, the way I always looked at this was if I make you stay, mm-hmm. your attitude's probably going to suck. Yeah. So why do I want to make you stay anyway? Right. Right. So I just treated it a little differently. Well, I think people should take that advice. <laughs> okay. Part three. Don't even get me started on that expense report. He made me do <laughs> his freaking personal one, man. 150k how do you live with that just in limbo anyway he just casually shows up to work 30 minutes late for our meeting with two lululemon bags full of receipts for me to go through there was no organization to them at all it's like he or his wife had found a drawer or two and shoved them all in there and were like megan will deal with it i even met his wife and child twice as she was instructed to bring me more bags of receipts to go through And on top of that, I had to call all the hotels he had stayed at to get any receipts for those. And during all this, I would schedule meetings to get receipts from him for airlines or accounts that I don't have the login for. And he would either show up an hour late or cancel them or schedule them for 6.30 a.m. and not show and call 30 minutes later cancel it. I understand people do this line of work and enjoy it, but I did not get two degrees and have the want to be more than some asshole's glorified secretary. Wow. I think that's it for now. Keep killing it, Megan. Wow. Poor Megan. I know. I mean, it sounds so, like she got out of there, though. Well, that's good. I mean, you do want to find out how people get around these things, right? And that, that things get better for them. Yeah. But ugh. so what would you do if you were didn't like your boss, didn't like your position, and were a, and found a new one, but your boss was delaying your transfer? Would you try and pull in? 
your new manager to kind of help totally. you get out of there? And I'd go over their head because I don't care about that manager liking me anymore. Yeah. That's what I'd do. Just go to their boss's Yeah, boss just their boss's boss. boss and- yes. Go to HR. Go. Yeah. Well, she went to HR and HR yep. wasn't open. Yeah, but you have to try all of these things, right? Yeah. And and that's the only avenue you've got. Right. Right? And the, the new boss should be able to put some pressure. Mm-hmm. That's the best part. So, well, thank you so much for those stories. Those were crazy. Yes. Oh, my God. Those damn millennials just don't listen. Those old folks just don't get me. Ronnie, let's face it. We've all heard statements like this in the office. Mm -hmm. The truth of the matter is, for the first time ever, we have five generations in the workplace, and they're having some trouble communicating. Sound like your office? Future Image Group is here to help. FIG, as it's affectionately called, specializes in improving workplace communication and face-to-face business relationships through a structured curriculum. Know what else it helps with? Tell me. Social anxiety, personal relationships, employee loyalty, company longevity. The list goes on and on. In fact, you can't afford not to contact Future Image Group. All right, so how do you deal with a bad boss, Wendy? Okay, so I think the first step is to definitely identify the particular type of crazy you're working with or dysfunction or whatever it is. Right. Because unless you can get really clear of how they are, you can't come up with a plan to deal with it. Right. And to make it better. Right. You got to know what you're working with. Right. So figure out how to be successful with them by identifying how do they work. So a few options um, we came up with, the two of us, is like the first type of boss is the wimpy boss. They are risk averse to a fault. They don't go for any of your ideas because they'll never get one that's perfect. They always found reasons to either need more options or whatever, but they they can't make a decision. Right, and you're ready to make moves, but totally. they don't want to. Totally. There's the paranoid boss. They think everybody's out to get them and has a nasty temper about it, right? That's the trophy boss. Yes, yeah, exactly. That was him, the paranoid. The Teflon boss. They're making sure no action item or blame ever sticks to them. They are the champion of the art of deflecting ownership or responsibility. So you you come to them with a problem, you leave with the action item. They don't help at all. Then there's the off-hands boss. This is the manager who doesn't even know what their team is doing and might as well not even be there. Right? They're just the token boss, the empty suit. Right, right. right? You want to... Throw out a couple of them. (laughs) Sure. We have the momager, which is a new thing that I learned recently. And this can be a female boss or a male boss. Yes. Just so you know. Yes. But it's the, a manager that asks you every three seconds how you're feeling, wants to have a ridiculous amount of one-on-ones with you, and is overly protective. Wow. Like they care about you a little too much. Wow. Like more than you need. Yeah. Yeah. And I did have a situation once where uh, I was going for a... Uh, beta, where you go out for the first offering Mm. of your solution. Mm -hmm. And it was in Honduras. And it was during a time where it was kind of red alert in terms of traveling. Mm -hmm. And my boss came to me and told me, um, no, you didn't get that assignment, because it's too dangerous. 
And I had to tell, he was a nice guy and yeah. he even did this. Yeah. He's, and I said, that's not your decision to make. That's my decision. Right. Right. And he was, he was protecting yeah. you and more he, than he said, your male. He didn't even it. realize that he had done this because he had done it out of caring. Right. Right. But he listened and was open to the feedback. So that was cool. Good. Uh, we have the micromanager. Everyone knows what a micromanager is. Um, this is the boss who sends the whole team a nasty email when they leave at 4.30 on Friday for happy hour without telling him or her. <laughs> and I need to know actually, exactly what you're doing every second. Every th- that's actually a real life example. I had a girlfriend who was telling me about her boss and how they were just working crazy hours and they finally finished a project and all decided to go have happy hour to celebrate finishing. And they were at happy hour and all checked their phones and they all had an email saying, why do you think you can leave at 4.30 without telling me? Wow. After they were putting in like 60-hour weeks before. Wow. Crazy. And the last one is the yes man boss. And this is the boss who volunteers your time and efforts beyond what you are capable of. Well, and this is the guy who never knows how to say no to the folks above them or peers. Exactly. But you get the brunt of all those yes decisions, Mm -hmm. right? Ain't that the truth. So... What would you say the step two would be, Ronnie? Well, step two depends on which kind of boss you have, what yes, you're working with. I agree. But once you know what you're working with, you can make a plan. But I think before that, it's really important, and I learned this lesson from my mom, because my mom has chronic nerve pain in her feet. Wow. So when I was in fourth grade, she like spent that whole entire year just like in bed. Wow. Because she couldn't even walk, like couldn't go to the grocery store. My teacher used to come and pick us up from school and wow. drop. It was really bad. But I used to say to her, it can't last forever, mom. <laughs> and it ended up being true because she ended up wow. having a um, spinal cord implant on her spine that kind of like numbs her feet. We call her bionic woman because she has to charge it and the char- the batteries in her butt. So she has to like set the charger on her butt to charge so amazing the laundry will go off or something and she'll be like eric can you get the laundry i'm charging (laughs) (laughs) and how cool of you to say that to her yeah when i was just little it can't last forever yeah but that's kind of been a motto in our family whenever you have a bad boss or a fight with your boyfriend or whatever it is and you feel horrible It can't last forever. This too will pass. This too will pass. Exactly. Wow. So I think when you're dealing with a good boss, remembering that will help you not to pour a bad boss. Yeah. You just said when you're dealing with a good boss. Oh, I did? Yeah. Oh, geez. It was a Freudian thing because you want a good boss really bad. (laughs) When you're dealing with a bad boss, Boss. I think this is a good lesson to remember because it helps you not to pour excess energy into a situation exactly. that you might not have control over exactly and so what would you do now that you know they're temporary and you say that and i've just got to get through this while i find the next thing mm-hmm. what what is the advice you'd give um i think it's helpful to try and find the good things about whatever type of psycho boss you have yeah you know i agree you're trying to get out of the situation so maybe focus on what's positive about it while you're in it right for example the offhands boss it sucks because him or her is never there, yes. right? And they're not, they don't even know what you're working on. Right. But also people at the company see that you're pulling the weight and that you're the one they need to come to to get stuff done. Right. And that can be 
advantageous to your career overall. Oh, totally. You'll be the one that shows up to do presentations because right. he's hands off, yeah. right? So you get more visibility. Right. Right. And um, then for the momager, you can focus on the fact that they really do care about you and they're going to be supportive if you have something personal happen in your life that affects your work. Exactly. They might care about you a little too much, yes. but it's nice that they care. Also, it's all helping you to see what kind of boss you would make. Exactly. Right? You get to make those choices. Mm -hmm. And especially you see how you don't want to act. Right. Right. So and I if think you have a boss that really sucks, you can just say, well, if they can do it, I can do it. That's right. <laughs> That's what I say. That's right. <laughs> well, and the, the third step to dealing with a bad boss is really knowing when to change. Right. right? So lose that 180 pounds by shredding that bonehead boss, right? <laughs> or you might have a little itty bitty boss. You never know. Well, yeah, one twenty pound boss. That's right. <laughs> Teflon boss. No, I'm just teasing. <laughs> and it's important to identify if this is a bad boss you're dealing with or a bad company culture that is putting people like this in management positions. So right. a lot of like in my first position, I was looking at all the different managers. Yeah, and they were all kind of the same. They were all male. Yes. Yeah, all young. Like all putting in these crazy hours because they weren't married, didn't have a family. Right. And then if I'm looking at that and that's almost all the managers, it's like, okay, this company doesn't value the same things I value. Exactly. Whereas maybe you're in a situation where you have a boss who sucks, but you look around and there's other managers and you're like, wow, they'd be yeah. really cool to work for. And remember, a lot of companies have different cultures in the different business units. Oh. So maybe if you're in services, it's a totally different business unit. Right. What advice do you have for people who won't like the company and they just want a different, they want to transfer somewhere else within the company? Network. You've got to network across those business units. Right. you got to get out of your cube and go to meet other people, mm -hmm. right? Because you're never going to, and you start to ask people, how do you like your boss? And you start to see who's the great bosses in the company. Right. Who are the the bosses you would like to go to. Right. And you, and you just, you, you see how they show up, you see how they, um, talk and you say, wow, that's somebody I'd really like to work with. Right. Mm -hmm. And then you validate it mm -hmm. with the folks that are working with them. Mm -hmm. So that is the best way, but then you've got to get them to know something about you. So you could say to them, um, uh, way before you need it is to try to get to know them mm -hmm. in a way that you can start to build a relationship with them. Mm -hmm. Like going to them and saying, Hey, I see your group does um, customer support. I've always thought about trying that out. Mm -hmm. It would, could I take you to coffee and you tell me about what your group does, right? Yeah. Or, or is there a way I could support you? Is there a problem you've got that maybe I could spend some extra hours helping you? Yeah. Something like that. Okay. So you want to think, why would they ever want to meet with you? Right. And what I found is when I was mentoring people, it helped me to understand the level below. Because you forget sometimes when you get when you get promoted to that next level. Mm -hmm. And as you get promoted, mm -hmm. you get a little distance. So, oh, from so a level? lot of folks like being able to talk and find out what's really going on at those other levels. Oh, they want the it inside helps. scoop. They do. I see. They okay. do. And it's, and it, and it, and they also like to be helpful, mm -hmm. right? They like 
um, they like to solve problems. And some days they, they never solve a problem. All they do is move things around. Right, right. Right? Resources or do budget reports or do, um, you know, just, you know, busy work. Yeah. Right? Because a lot of times it's it's that's on your plate. Yeah. And think about if you ask that person if you can buy them a coffee to talk about yes. their group. If they say no, then that's probably not the boss yes. that you were yes. looking for in the first yes. place. So it's kind of like a win-win situation. Yeah, but remember, this is not, usually this is not cut and dry. Mm-hmm. So you'll have the bad boss, and before you go and look at the next better one, sometimes it is really worth it to have a heart-to-heart and to give feedback to your current boss. Okay. You have to at least, I think you have to at least try. You have oh, to tell them what just you need. in the towel. Yep. You okay. have to. Because I, it's like what I told Madison. She she worked at the golf course with five different, um, with a bad boss there. And with five guys, they were all kind of telling her what to do. Uh-huh. And she said, I'm so sick of all these people telling me what to do. And I said, <laughs> if you leave every single time a guy bosses you around, you're going to be leaving a lot of jobs. <laughs> Right? It's going to happen to us a lot. So you have to go to that boss and say, you know, give them feedback and right. and figure out how to do that well. Right. So something's in it for them too. Right. So, you know, be honest, but also let them save face with how you tell them that. Mm-hmm. Like, you know what? When you continuously ask the status of the work I'm doing, mm-hmm. it makes me feel like you don't trust me. Mm, And I want you to trust me. I, your opinion matters to me. Mm -hmm. Right. And maybe it doesn't really matter a lot to you, but you don't have to say that. (laughs) Right. Right. Because you're just building it up to the point that you have trust with the guy and they are the, or the lady. It can be just either one, Mm -hmm. right? Bad bosses are coming all shapes and sizes, all genders. Right. Mm -hmm. And once you decide what you need to see from that boss, terms of different behavior, mm-hmm. give yourself a time frame. I need to see behavior change in a month. Oh, okay. And okay. you write it down. Okay. Because you keep, a lot of times we want it to work out. Mm-hmm. We don't want to have to change jobs. It's a lot of effort. Right. Right. And the devil we know is sometimes feels like better than the one we've, we've, we're going to meet next. Right right, right. 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 So write that down. And if you really have not seen any evidence that they're going to change, mm-hmm. then you've got to fish or cut bait in this case cut bait all right i like it yeah perfect so you've been a boss and i'm sure you were a fabulous boss thank you you're kind of like my boss now sort of i don't believe that at all oh we're partners we are total partners okay Okay. you're right you're right you're right you're right you're right i think we need an off uh, off air discussion about that though because i never want you to feel that way oh god I would feel terrible. I feel like we're such a one plus one equals three. Oh, we are. We're such a good partnership. Fabulous. I just said the boss thing because like when we go on our field trips. Yeah. You know, you're like doing the speeches and stuff and I'm kind of running around taking pictures. Oh, remember I'm going to come to one of your talks. You're giving a talk. I know. Well, maybe. That's not official. Don't jinx it. Hey, don't be so. (laughs) Lean in, girl. Okay. Sorry. Okay. Okay. So you've been a boss, and I'm sure you were a fabulous, bo- fabulous boss. I don't know that because you're not my boss, but I'm sure that if you were, it would be fabulous. Thank you. And so let's talk about 
for the listeners out there who are bosses, how can they be the best boss possible? Definitely the most important skill I've seen in a great boss is Mm -hmm. emotional intelligence. Oh, okay. It's really understanding and managing emotions greatly increases your chances of success at being a fabulous boss. Okay. So how can people work to improve their emotional intelligence so they can be the best boss possible? Well, and I would like you to go through some of these because I think, um, I think you are one of the most emotionally intelligent people I know. What? Oh yeah. You're very insightful and very intuitive. Yes. Yes. Well, thank you. (laughs) Okay. So advice number one, recognize emotions in yourself and others and build emotional intelligence by asking these questions to gain valuable personal insights. What are my emotional strengths and what are my weaknesses? So for me, my emotional strength would probably be that I can get over things really quickly. Yep. Like even in my personal life, if I have a tiff with somebody or something. rebound. I rebound really, really fast. But my weakness is that it can really get me down. So I'm kind of like, if like you and I had, if you and I had it, it doesn't linger. But it's really, it like hits hard and then it goes away. Oh, but it when it does hit hard, it hits hard. Exactly. Like, oh. remember that one time when I was supposed to put my printer on the front porch for that, or yes. your printer on the front porch yes. for that guy to pick up? Yeah. And I totally was late, and he was all mad about it. Yes. That hit me. I felt like I let you down so bad. I was so upset. Amazing. But an hour later, I was, like, over it. Amazing. So that's my strengths and weaknesses. I can wow. rebound fast, but I let things, like, kind of get to me right hard in the moment right well and that leads us to the second one which is you pause when triggered so in in this case you were that's a trigger right Mm -hmm. so it's good in those cases don't make any permanent decisions about don't go all passive aggressive and say well I'll never step up to do anything for Wendy again because I just screw it up yeah right right. that's that's crazy Mm -hmm. right so I think that's important to do. Don't make permanent decisions yep. when you are triggered. Exactly. You helped me not do that a oh. lot. How many times did I call you right. about to permanently quit? <laughs> yes. And just wait till the next day and see how you feel. Yeah. Right? Uh, you work to control your thoughts. So even though you have little control over experiencing emotion, what you can control is your reaction, which is your thoughts. And you can rewire your response. Right. So you're really not letting your emotions run you. You're being in charge of them. And this is just anything like a muscle to build. Right. Right. This is, um, you first have to be aware that, you know, you, you had a thought that really triggered you somehow that, Mm -hmm. that had you either thinking, man, I always screw up. Nope. You stop again and pause, mm-hmm. and then you you say, I've got a lot on my plate. Mm-hmm. Um, I can do this better, and I know I'm valuable. And you say those things and move on. Right. Right? So it's hard to do in the mo- moment. Right. It really can be hard. Well, I think this kind of goes along with my advice about everything's temporary, because when I'm feeling, like, really anxious at work, I just say, like, I'm feeling anxious right now and it's going to go away eventually, but I can't make it go away. So I'm just accepting that that's what's happening, but I'm not going to think about it and put energy into, you know what I mean? Exactly. Like I'm not going to have these spiraling thoughts. I might have the feeling, but not the thoughts. Totally. 
Um, a big one that I've learned is you see feedback as a gift. Having your people tell you what, what you could do better is really hard. You get defensive. It's very natural, mm -hmm. right? right? But if you see it as they're telling me this because they want me to be better and mm -hmm. they want to have a better relationship with me, right? then you just do some deep breathing while you're hearing it. Mm -hmm. You try not to be defensive <laughs> and you keep the mantra going in your head. Feedback is a gift. Yeah. If they didn't care about me, they wouldn't say this. They would just go snicker with their friends. Right. Right. Yeah. And asking for feedback is so important. Totally. It's so hard for an employee to tell their boss, to give their boss feedback because they yes. don't want repercussions. Totally. They don't want to get, they don't want to damage the relationship. Totally. But when your boss asks you for it, yes. it's to totally different. Yeah situation in fact we should do a, a a segment on uh an episode on giving feedback okay wouldn't that be good yep pencil that in i'll love pencil it. it in i love it i also think showing authenticity the best time and angela actually said this remember we all have something that we're trying to hide yeah i mean that authenticity can build we called that episode courageous authenticity right. for that reason right mm -hmm. it the best times that i ever flourished with a group of people is when I let my, down my guard wow. and I told them we, we're having to lay off people it is really hung with me mm -hmm. I want to minimize it but it has it and you know and tearing up a little bit mm -hmm. I know these are people people's lives mm -hmm. it was one of those times where people said we understand it's the business is where we're at and and I think it's really hard to do that because we have this this expectation to always look like we're in control always look like mm -hmm. we're on top of things and if you don't give people the chance to see you when you're weak and vulnerable then they never get the okay to be that right right love it this is my favorite one you forgive and forget hanging on to resentment is like leaving a knife inside a wound while the offending party moves on with their life, you never give yourself the chance to heal. Exactly. Forgive and forget. Move on, baby. Exactly. I Boom. tell people it's like taking poison and hoping the other person dies. <laughs> Doesn't work that way. No. <laughs> it just eats you up. Right. Right? That yeah. kind of... I mean, you're going to make mistakes at work. Yeah. Your employees are going to make mistakes. Yeah. You're going to do dumb stuff. Yeah. That happens to everybody. Well, and I'm telling you, a lot of the stuff I'm reading right now about cancer... Mm-hmm. There's a really great book where the woman talks through to the toxicity in your life. Yeah. The things that the stress that you've hung on to, mm -hmm. you know, from family or whatever it is, mm -hmm. it can create an atmosphere that allows cancer to grow. Right. I believe so. It. Move on, baby. Yes, exactly. So I think we're at a great point to talk about our field trip. I do, too. A few weeks ago, <laughs> why are you rolling your eyes at me? It's a lot to wrap my head around. I can see you're having a hard time with this. Okay. Bless your heart. Uh, okay. A few weeks ago, <laughs> Wendy, my beautiful mentor, was asked to do the keynote at Chloe Capital. They had a pitch competition. Right. In Denver, which they go on tour to a bunch of different cities. Give $100,000 to the winning. Yeah. It was like live Shark Tank, but with yeah. all women. Very cool. awesome. Very cool. So I'll play for you our little clip that we recorded before we went on the field trip, and then we'll talk about how it went. 
So we have something fun coming up. Yes, we're actually leaving the studio <laughs> for our first field trip. <laughs> field trip! Did you get your permission slip signed? I did. Did you? <laughs> yeah, you signed mine. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Okay, what are we doing? Tell me all about it. I actually don't know that much about it because so, I'm tagging along. Yes, um, I was lucky enough to get asked to do the keynote mm-hmm. at a investor conference that's coming up for women for women to pitch their product ideas. And it's being done by an amazing um, set of women that founded a company called Chloe Capital. I love that. And they are all about getting more women um, invested, right? Right. And getting more women to start their own businesses. And they're doing it actually all over the country. So it's about... Helping women entrepreneurs get investments. Yes, okay. exactly. So it Closing was... Closing the investment gap. Right. It it was interesting. The title of the research that I found was with less capital to work with, female entrepreneurs pay themselves less than male counterparts. Wow. That's, and, that I mean, sucks, but it's not surprising. It kind of no. makes sense. Like if you're not getting as big in a, of an investment, you can't pay yourself as well. Exactly. So... Um, this study has found that female entrepreneurs pride themselves much less than their male counterparts pay themselves, which might be attributable to the women having less access to venture capital and other funding sources. The study undertaken by compensation data firm J. Thelander Consulting found that on average, female founders or uh, CEOs pay themselves an annual salary of about $179,444 versus, what do you think the men are? Ooh, I get to guess? You get to guess. Okay, the women were Uh $179,000. That seems like a lot to be paying yourself, so now I have to really (laughs) think about it for the men. Uh, You'll get there. You'll get there. Thank you. Uh, $252,000. Ah, that's a little higher. It's actually $232,000. Thirty-two thousand and six hundred fifty-nine dollars. Jeez, right? So that's it's still, still so much more. It's still a big gap for doing the, the same damn thing. Big. Exactly. The study also found that female entrepreneurs generally have less access to venture capital funding, which explains a big part of this discrepancy. It noted that startups with exclusively female founders received one point nine billion collectively or about 2.2% of the $85 billion in VC invested. God damn it. Can you believe that? With less cash, the female founders feel the need to tighten their belts as their little fledgling companies get off the ground. Right. But beyond sheer dollars and cents, the study also points to a more cultural issue in that women do not want to appear extravagant so as not to scare off potential investors. Wow. Yeah. They want to show they're not wasting money. Yeah. Right? Huh. And some women interviewed for the story said that they thought it was important to them to prove their success before seeking additional pay. Hmm. And how much is that like, we got to prove we've done something before we ever go for a job? Yeah. Right? right. Instead of just going for it. Which men do. Right. Exactly. Right? Exactly. So 
I thought this was really interesting. So what I thought would be really cool is we go to this event together, right? Okay. In the Woo. next couple of days. And then we talk about what we learned and, and what we thought about it. I'm so excited. I'm excited to hear um, from, for like the last two hours, it's just different women practicing their pitches, right? Yes. And it's like a contest. Yes. They're actually pitching. They're not practicing. They're, oh, they're pitching. actually pitching. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. I love that. It's going to be really cool. That is going to be fun. Yeah. So I what go. What does one wear? <laughs> business casual. Okay. Got so it. black pants and some cute little shirt. Okay. Black pants, cute little shirt. Got yes. it. <laughs> so that makes you feel like you're sassy in yourself. Perfect. I have to do laundry though. I have like no laundry right now. <laughs> as long as you have clean underwear. I do have clean underwear. Because you could get into an accident on the way. <laughs> didn't you ever hear that your mama said you had to have clean underwear in case you got in an accident well not when they're 23 that's so funny <laughs> so let's look forward to it i'm so excited chloe capital here we come yippee field trip so that went a little different than we thought it was gonna go <laughs> yes it totally did. So Wendy had an appointment. Right the MRI. Remember? And I had. Yes. Wendy had, the, had to get an MRI right before she was supposed to do this keynote. For the breast cancer. Right. right? So she called the Chloe Capital gals and said, I'm going to try my best to make it there. But just so you know, I have to take Valium before this MRI because I'm claustrophobic. So we'll see how it goes. <laughs> and they said, come on, which really blew my mind, by the way. They said, come on. Oh, come on. Just come to the event. Oh, my God. You'll be great. I didn't think you were going to make it. I didn't either. I was like, I'm going to end up going by myself, which will be fine. And I can network and pass out cards. But um, at about 4 o'clock at work, I got a text from Wendy saying, I'm doing it. I'm coming. <laughs> but the best part was she called me right about 20 minutes after you'd taken the volume while yes, you were waiting to get hilarious. picked up. Yes. you're the only person I can talk to right now without crying from this damn Valium. That's what he told me. <laughs> you go, yeah. I was just in a meeting and I started telling the lady how much I loved her. So I knew I had to hang up. <laughs> so I think I'm one of those, I don't take drugs and never have. So, but I think I'm one of those, I love you, man. You yeah, yeah. lovey dovey. Yeah, I am. So Wendy gets to the event. Are you still a little buzz no i feel perfectly good okay <laughs> you feel perfectly good i did okay. i felt myself okay yes. all right well you weren't yourself when you called me so i'm no. just checking totally and you gave an amazing keynote thank you but i'm a little mad at you why because you didn't tell me you're going to talk about me during the keynote <laughs> keynote and it made me like ball my eyes out and the whole room was staring at me because you pointed at me I did <laughs> okay so in that just to let people know, I've spoke on our, how are you leaving a legacy mm-hmm. by accident or by intention? Right. Right. And I talked about how you, how we really are put here to make a difference. Mm-hmm. And one of the biggest compliments I'd ever gotten was you told me that you had changed. I had changed your life last year. And it really mattered to me. It, it put things in perspective and it was about... If we just can help one person, right? Hopefully mm-hmm. a lot more. Mm-hmm. And so I talked about all this. And what a support you've been also since the cancer. I mean, differently than anybody 
but almost better. Uh, I mean, <laughs> well, you said in the thing, you said Ronnie's been the one person that's helped me get through this past week, and I was just like, <laughs> oh my gosh, I had no idea. That made me feel so good, though, and I'm so glad that. I'm so glad that you can, we can do this and work on this and have fun and well, that and it's, you know, it, like it a is. break it's a from blessing. all the It's a blessing and it's hopefully impacting people and helping them. And that's what happened afterwards. People came up and said, you guys are so authentic and you make me think about why I'm doing what I do and why I'm working so hard. I know. People ask for our pictures yeah it was crazy it was crazy people want me to sign their book and it was so cool it was right? cool it was an awesome awesome keynote and yeah. I was not expecting it because I've seen you speak so many times yeah. and it's you know the corporate cowgirl had to kick ass and yes. it yeah. was so different from what you usually do but yeah. I thought it was awesome well thank you so even though this cancer sucks I think that it's already improving your speaking abilities well thank you and that's all we're hoping some good comes out of it like for what did we say i said last week um i hope god works this for my good and his glory so perfect last segment of the episode is called ask wendy and it's when we get emails from women or anyone it's just been women so far but anyone we'd love men wouldn't we oh yeah I love it. (laughs) Asking for advice. So we're going to go through one of those emails that we got. All right, Wendy. Yes, Wendy. My precious mentor. (laughs) Would it be okay (laughs) if I share your mentorship with some of our listeners? I love that. Okay. So we're going to get into emails then. Okay. Which I... This is our first email, and I am so excited because I, I like wanted it. to be doing emails. I love it. That's the whole it. reason we want to do this, right? Exactly. And think of it as if you were paying for career advice, it'd probably be four fifty an hour. Really? Yes. Yeah, so you can get it for free by writing us. Yes. Four fifty an hour? Oh, it's ridiculous. For like yes. career, like life coach, like for career leadership coach? coaching. God. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Oh, yeah. Maybe we should start charging. Just kidding. I do. I do. <laughs> But not right now. Yes. Okay. So the first email is from a woman named Kelsey. Aww. Hi, Kelsey. Yes. You already went on. I just said it. All I said was her name. Oh, I love that name. <laughs> okay. She says, hi, Ronnie and Wendy. I'm enjoying the podcast. Well done. I need help navigating how to tell your employer that you are pregnant. Wow. I am a 31-year-old engineer for an oil and gas company, and I also happen to be a female. I'm 24 weeks pregnant, but I have not informed my employer yet because last month I interviewed for the supervisor position on my team and I'm waiting for them to announce the new supervisor. I don't want there to be a chance for unconscious bias with them knowing that I'm pregnant and taking 12 weeks of maternity leave. How should I tell my employer that I'm pregnant in this situation? I do have a plan for how to handle my projects during my maternity leave if I stay in my current position or become the supervisor. Thanks for the help. Kelsey. And first of all, I didn't say this in my response to Kelsey that I sent her, but good for her because she's six months pregnant. Is uh, 24 divided by (laughs) by four four is six. Six six months pregnant. Yes, financial business analyst. I know that was was so bad. 
So wait, how do they not know that she's pregnant? Tell though? me about it. Cause I was eating myself like a fool, right? <laughs> I mean, I was eating everything. <laughs> I just said, we, we can eat. Oh my God. And so I popped out like the turkey, you know, little thing that comes out of the turkey when it's cooking the little bing. Have you ever seen that? No. Oh God. Honey. That reference is lost. on Okay. Me. So I did pop out though. Okay. And so the fact that she's six months and hadn't had to tell him, right? Yeah. That's pretty That's good. impressive work. Yeah. I mean, they're probably walking around going, she's drinking way too much beer. <laughs> so, Kelsey, first and foremost, congrats on expecting. That is fabulous. I've got two kids, 20 and 26, and it is the most amazing thing I've ever done, being a mom. Aww. Secondly, way to cowgirl up in going for that supervisory position. Really proud of you, especially at a time when your personal life will be getting more interesting. You're an adopt, you are adopting the same attitude I had when taking a stretch assignment right after maternity leave with my second child. And all I was thinking was, if I'm leaving my baby to go to work, I'm going to make it count. Love that. What a so, good way to look at that. I'm sure it's a tough choice in deciding whether or not to wait to share your pregnancy with your employer. I'm usually all about transparency and treating others as I'd like to be treated. So as a hiring manager, I would prefer my employees to provide me as much notice as possible so I could start to plan for their leave. However, in this case, it's a tougher call. I talked to an HR executive friend of mine who confirmed that you are in no way legally obligated to tell your employer that you're pregnant. Good to know. So if you decide it will be best to wait until after the position is announced, you are absolutely within your right. Now, if you do decide to share the pregnancy news before the supervisory position is announced, it could go two ways. The first, you find out they are a gender intelligent leader who sees the talent you can bring to the organization and wants to celebrate this wonderful event in your life. Or two, dun, 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 dun. No. <laughs> did you write that in the email? No, I didn't. <laughs> they either consciously or unconsciously steer away from you since you're just more work than the other candidate or they think you won't be as committed or they afraid you're end up not coming back after the leave ah uh, dot 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 a long list etc etc right in terms of all the stereotypes people have of moms right so the best advice i could give is to put yourself in your new boss's shoes assuming you get the position and create a plan that results in the least amount of work for him or her as possible and set your new team and their or whole organization up for success while you're gone so get creative would there be a peer manager that closely works with the group and could oversee the group while you're away start thinking of ways to offload that person to reduce the risk of their burnout. Could there be a possibility maybe even to bring in a contractor, a consultant, or an additional admin for that person? Realize that three months is a non-consequential amount of time to be away. So you should be able to come up with several solutions to make the team, the project, the outcomes, and the department all successful. Love it. And as you communicate these options in your plan, you'll demonstrate the leadership skills that will reinforce to the hiring manager that you're the right person for the job and have the meeting in person if possible. 
have a written proposal that takes into account the risks that we just talked about, but is primarily focused on a plethora of solutions to maximize the success for everybody while you're at. I so wish you success in working through this situation and have every confidence that you will be thoughtful and considerate as you make these plans and communicate them. Please let us know how it's going. We can't wait to hear the good news of how well it went. <laughs> Love it. Wendy. <laughs> Wendy. <laughs> in case you didn't know, it was me. <laughs> and we got an email back oh, from Kelsey. Do you not know this? No. <laughs> I love it. Tell me, tell me. I'm so glad you don't know. That's so funny. Okay, she emailed back. Clearly, you have not been checking our emails. No. <laughs> have had a couple things going on, but we'll talk about that later. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> she said, Hi, Wendy and Ronnie. Thank you so much for the great advice. I am thrilled to report that I got the supervisor position, and during my acceptance discussion with the hiring manager, I let him know that I would be taking the full maternity leave the company offers while presenting my plan to provide coverage while I'm out of the office. Score! My supervisor was supportive. Your advice helped me confidently approach the conversation and get what I wanted, in parentheses, because of course I also negotiated a promotion. Yes! (laughs) Thanks for the help and the encouragement. Kelsey. That is so cool. Nailed it. Nailed it and didn't even know I did. If we could just high five better. (laughs) (laughs) Well, isn't that awesome? That is awesome. Oh, I'm so tickled. I want to answer more emails. Exactly. We're waiting for them, guys. Please send them in. Send them in. Wouldn't it be great if we really did get it? Some guy asking us for advice. Yes. I'd love that. I would too. Okay. <laughs> Enough of that delusion. <laughs> Just teeth. Oh my God. Okay, you got to take that out. <laughs> that was ugly. <laughs> okay. Okay. It was my cancer brain. It was my cancer brain. <laughs> Are you just going to say whatever the hell you think now that you have oh, cancer? Oh, totally. No one's going to be. I'm already doing it. Really? Yeah. You should have seen me. I can't even say this on the air. Just say it. I. I had all of my family get on a come to Jesus conference call on, on Thursday. What's a, on, com- what's a come to Jesus Thursday, conference call? I said, I need you all to get along while I'm going through this cancer treatment. You're like, I'm not going to be the one that fixes I'm not all the me- shit anymore. I'm not the mediator anymore. I need you all to get along. Damn. It was like the come to Jesus. <laughs> what did they say? They said, okay, Wendy, like, oh, don't freak her out, you know. Oh, man. But well, they, good for you. Yeah. I said, if we've got stuff that you're upset about, put it in the past. Because I, you know what I said? I said, because I can, I can get through this without you, but I hope I don't have to. Damn. I know. That's. I know. I'm like double badass now. Yeah, you are. So it's funny. <laughs> Fighting for your life makes you do that. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you did that. Yeah. Hopefully they'll get it together. So it's been a fabulous episode. Oh my God. (laughs) And we appreciate you tuning in. (laughs) And remember, your value doesn't decrease based on someone's inability to see your worth. See you next time.
Thank you for listening to this episode of Undervalued. If you want to follow us in other ways, we're also on social media. You can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Undervalued the Podcast. We'd love to hear from you via email. Email us your questions, stories, if you need advice, things like that. Our email is undervaluedthepodcast at gmail.com. Also, please check out our website, which is undervaluedthepodcast.com. And if you like what you heard, please rate us so that others can find us and get as encouraged as you've been, hopefully, this episode. And if you really loved us, feel free to donate at our donation page, which is patreon.com slash undervaluedthepodcast. Thanks for listening. Thank you.